back here growing up on death row at 17. Uh, we thank you all for listening. Uh, this is our seventh episode. And actually, this is our eighth episode on growing up on death row at 17. And uh, don't forget, you can catch us on uh, our website, G-U-O-D-R-17.com. You can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. So, uh, again, we appreciate you all listening to the podcast uh, supporting us, and we uh, hope you continue to do so. Uh, Brian, what is t- today's episode about? Today's episode. Today's episode is about, like I said before, man. I did a lot of investigation. Today's episode is about people, man. It's all about how you survived, how we survived in prison, the thing that we went through. You know, the people that left behind in prison. You know, mm-hmm. people that was innocent, people that haven't even. You know, had a chance to even reach their potentials in life. So you say you did in investigating and research. What What do you mean? What I mean is that when I went into prison, I went into prison for running with a gang member. Right. And actually, after ten or fifteen years of my research, mm-hmm. I saw I was worse than a goddamn slave owner. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. because not only that, man, and what really actually got me to do this episode was the fact that I was looking on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know this brother, this brother named, he a rapper named Ice-T. Okay. He actually got on Twitter and denounced California, denounced the gangs in California, denounced all of this because he said he didn't want to be a part of that lifestyle or don't want his family growing up in that lifestyle. But as I reflect, in 1985 or 86, it's one of those areas, he came out with this song called Colors. Right. I remember the movie. The movie, right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had the song that was attached to it. And the thing of it is, a lot of brothers in St. Louis, which, you know, I was a victim of it too, you know, ran right. with him. We actually picked up those gang ideals, you know, mm-hmm. and actually he called something to where it was nationwide. Right. You and know? in that sense, he was kind of glorifying it. Right. In that sense, he was glorifying it, but at the same time, he was passing it on. Because anytime you get on TV and put it nationally, right. you know what I'm saying? And then, you know, black people that don't have fathers or don't have a strong family connection, man, they will actually pick that up. They come quickly attached to Come it. quickly attached. And it becomes right. a bond in a family. Right. And the right. thing of it is, I was a victim of that. And that's the reason why I had to make sure I get this podcast done today. Because mm-hmm. it was a hurting feeling to feel that you do something, you put something out there, and then 20 or 30 years later, you denouncing it. Right. And now you denouncing it, but you didn't cause the whirlwind of pain and hurt and suffering for a whole lot of families. Mothers that can't even see their kids no more. You know, fathers that's in prison for the rest of their lives, been there since they were 14 and 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that people flew as a goal in life. Right. To grow, right. Up, to grow up to be a blood or a cripple. You know, but ain't none of them say anything about growing up to be a football player, baseball player. I'm talking about this was the type of goal people were trying to reach back in the 80s. Right, just to be right. a game member and a drug dealer. That was the lifestyle of a king. You're doing right. that yeah. at the same time, too. So, you know, the thing of it is, after uh, I, I did a lot of thinking, man, and uh, actually what made me go and search that history, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, uh, David, because I, I don't even think I ever explained this to you before. What made me go search that history is when I went to prison. Okay. And I realized that, okay, why is prison so flooded with gang members now? Bloods and I'm talking about kids. 
Right. Got life without. Some of them on death row. Some of them never get out again. I was the one that was sentenced to die at 16 years old. Right. So, my whole scenario of this is that I actually took the time out of my life and really thought about it. I said, man, let me go over here and do some investigation, you know, on myself. Because I actually did a lot of harm as a game on myself. Right. So, I'm not just saying that it was bad for other people. I was also a part of that destruction and, 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 you know, and victimizing my people in the neighborhood, my aunties and all that. You know, I was a part of that. That's one thing I do want to make sure we point out is while we've been doing it from the very, from day one, we've always talked about the things that people did, but you're not short uh, or you don't make, you make a point. To stress what you did. What I did, right. Right, right. See, you don't run what, away from I don't that. run away from it because right. I'm as guilty as everybody here on this motherfucking planet that it did something wrong. Right. But I was one of the pushers that actually continue to do these things. Right, right. Because we don't, like they say, man, you know, we got free will and we got will to choose. That's right. But as a kid, we don't know what the will to choose. Well, we know we don't know what it is, but at the same time, we don't understand. You know the, the difference sub- between right and right wrong. wrong. Yeah. But we don't know the severity of your will to choose. Right. So, right. after I lost my life through to gang activities, mm-hmm. you know, got sent to life without in prison, you know, and basically when I got there, I lived that motherfucker just like I was out on the street cuz it was still the same goddamn thing. Right. And seeing some of the same people. Seeing some of the same people. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what happened to me, man. It was like 15, 20 years. I say 20, almost 20 years later. Okay. Something told me, man, listen, you sitting up here with all this red shit in your cell, Cardinals hats and all this stuff here. Man, now one of them motherfuckers sending you no type of money for fighting <laughs> and dying over they goddamn hats and shit. You see what I'm saying? colors, right? Right. So I went over there. And lo and behold, what the hell I find out. What's that? When I got to looking up those streets, and I realized all the streets in the inner city belong to slave owners. Right, right. Well, wait a minute. That was that. That ain't even the catch. What really ticked me off was that all these streets that's claiming different gangs, they was having plantation wars. Black people were actually getting a tour with black people. I stayed on Terry. Right, right. So the, that was Mr. Terry Plantation. Mm-hmm. St. Elwood was another plantation. But those blacks didn't like those blacks because they had more cotton or more whatever they had. Right. So right, not right. now we didn't picked up a tradition of gang banging for a street that was owned by a slave owner. So who was who, who I'm saying so who 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 writing this? <laughs> it couldn't be me. Right. We're fighting for the wrong reason. We don't even know why we're fighting over this street. Right. Our so-called turf. Right. This is my turf. Right. But you're really fighting on a plantation. On a plantation that belong and this street belong to a white right. man. Don't get it twisted. Right. Because and named after and, a, black, a and white named man. after a white man. Right. Right. And another thing of it is, you go out here and do all this, but soon you don't pay that white man his bill. He evicting your ass. But these are the same streets you didn't gun down 50 brothers on just to get five minutes of fame and right. reputation. Right. And the reason I'm telling this story, this was led up to me going to prison. You know, I I was part of this tradition that was going on. Mm-hmm. But it ended for me at 17. And I thank God it did. Because, see, a lot of people don't like prison. I didn't like prison, Dave. 
I don't think no man in, world, in this world want to be held captive like that. Right, right. But I was told one thing when I went to prison. It ain't the prison. It's how you do your time. Mm-hmm. And I took that and ran with it. And then I started doing all these investigations, taking all these classes. Graduated from prison with a GED, and I had, and I also graduated with a ninth grade uh, college uh, college credit. Okay, your okay. first college, first year of college credit, right? Mm-hmm. Before mm-hmm. they took the, they took the schools, they took all the schools I out of prison. You say that because they said they were education, they were educating criminals. You had lawyers, people that was coming out of prison that was lawyers and everything. Come out smarter than you went. Then in. you went in, right? Yeah. That that was frowned upon. They didn't want that. It was frowned upon yeah. because they said they was educating them even farther. Mm-hmm. So by then they end up pulling education out of prison. But see, the thing of it is, when they done that, they tore a lot of people down because a lot of people look forward to that. When you get out that cell every day, your day is planned for you. Right. So you look forward to going to take these classes. Even if it's a female, it could have been a female teacher in that room or in the next room or whatever. Dudes want to get up and go see that, right? Because you go, you seeing these niggas all the time. You want to go, you want to get you up and go see, see that, different, right? right? So, a lot of they took that from, and then you know a lot of brothers was getting executed. You know, I seen so many brothers executed in prison, man. It's pitiful. And so if thing, you had to guess how many people during the my incarceration years, I only did ten years at Potosi. That was on death row inmates. Yeah, okay. I did. And that's where they're doing execution. That's where they're doing execution. Okay, okay. And I was there from seventeen to twenty-seven. So I seen a lot of a lot of people die. You hear me? Right. And the thing of it is, it wasn't the fact that they died. It wasn't the fact that they died. It was the fact that when they did execute them, they actually took their body outside and set it in front of medical. And so everybody can so see. So everybody can see. It was it was also used as a deterrent and letting them know that basically I took it as though you let me know that my life lies in your hands and you could do whatever the hell you right, want to do with it. It was a clear message to mm-hmm. me. So after they after they took it from Potosi and started doing it in uh, Bonterra, Missouri, that's okay. where they started doing the executions at. And but the whole scenario of this story is that after that was. Transfer, you know, transpire within the prison system, right? Mm-hmm. Then they end up coming with this movie Life, right? Right. You remember Eddie that Murphy Eddie Murphy yeah. and uh, and you know this movie Life when they first played this, it hit so hard, right, to everybody in the Department of Corrections. And I think that's one movie if I was to ever show, I would have never showed in prison. But at the same time, a person never can tell how your life going in prison until you actually watch it on TV. Right. Whoever gave them brother that script or that movie that script about mm-hmm. life in prison, somebody had to be in the prison because that's the way that stuff went. Right. You know, I ain't talking about running and grinding no pie. You ain't that was just prison back in the forties <laughs> and fifties. I'm right. talking about updated prison where brothers couldn't even read. Uh like brothers. had to, so one person had to read the letters right. to everybody. Right. But yeah. you actually had brothers in there that couldn't. Right, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and what really touched me was the deaths mm-hmm. of everybody. And one when thing they showed I, a picture, they just fade out. They just fade out, right? And then what I tripped off of, and what caught my attention was Martin Lawrence. Mm-hmm. He never looked in a mirror when he was in prison, but I didn't catch on to it until at the end of the show when he finally saw himself looking inside the car when he got released to the hospital. He saw his reflection. He saw his reflection. Yeah. And it almost, it broke him down. Right. To see that he'd been sitting in this plantation, this prison for so long to it actually, the world passed him up over 40 or 50 years. Right. Remember the person with the boom box? With the boom box. He had a yeah. culture shock. Yeah. 
He yeah. saw the movement was over with. He got locked up during a time where they was bootlegging whiskey. Right. Al Capone days. So, you know, Prezen was very depressed then. Mm-hmm. And it was more hard labor. But then he got to seeing all this stuff. Yeah. And it really hit home in prison because a lot of people took that and was like, man, I don't never want to be a Eddie and Ray. What's that their name? Right. I don't never. I know Ray was uh, one of the that because the Boom Boom Room. Right. I forgot uh, Martin's character. Right. We'll look it up in a minute and find out. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing of it is, and the thing of it is, when people saw that man, it actually tore them down in prison. So they actually showed you all the movies. They showed us the movie. We actually saw it three or four times. Okay. And a lot of brothers, you know, that was in there that had life without that died in prison. Man, it's so sad because you know. I done seen over Claude. Claude. Red and Claude. Red, Red Claude. Yeah. And you know, that's what they used to consider people in prison that had life without that was never getting out. And they actually torment them brothers and call them that. Oh, they look at Red Claude over there. They ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> Which, you know, the same thing. But it is, makes you sad. You laugh about it. You laugh about it at the same time. Right. You laugh about it. But at the same time, you know, the thing of it is, uh, it was a lot of them brothers, man, that I actually was cool with. Mm-hmm. And you know, I knew they were never getting out, but see, that's something that you let them deal with. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. You don't impede up on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I say that because I was in them shoes myself, right? Until my case got overturned. You know, and it was just the grace of God that it got overturned, right? And the thing of it is, prison, you were a raging cloud, truthfully. I, I was, I was, and that's why it hurt so bad when I think about it. Because you got a lot of dudes been there since they were 14 and 15, man. Right. If a motherfucker take your life that early and just throw you away like that, come on, man. Where's the morals? Where's the principles? Where's the respect level? Right. There right. isn't right. none. These guys in prison, man, they daddy's dying on them. They mother dying on them. They don't have no food. Where's they get this stuff from? Right. And this is the type of torment and treatment we went through. Guards hanging inmates, killing them, spraying mates down their throat, knowing they asthmatic. And these are the things that people have to survive. People cutting themselves in the child room when they cook your food, putting blood in your food. And, Not you know, bad. yeah, these are the things that goes on in there, man. And, so and inhumane. It's inhumane, right. Right. And after I saw that movie there, I said, I'm going to have to call David, man, get on a podcast about this because this is something that's really, you know, uh, traumatic, man, and traumatizing. For me, I take it personal because I actually was in that situation. Somebody went on Facebook and said, I never let my food look like this again and sent me a copy of it. And when I hit it, it was a prison tray meal. I almost had a stroke. Describe the picture to me that you saw. The picture I saw was an actual tray mm-hmm. that a guy had. Somebody took a picture of a tray in prison and sent it to his inbox and he inboxed it to me. Right. He said, you got your freedom now. I know you don't never want your food to look like this again. Exactly. And it was a prison tray with little bitty scoops of so everything. Slot, you know. Basically. Right, right. right. And it actually, he thought it was funny, but I ended up calling them and letting them oh, know. I thought this he meant it in a serious way in, in terms of, I know you don't want to get like this. And well, he, I it could have been a like, serious way. Right. It could have been, but right. I took it. I had a flashback. You took exception to it. Right, because that was my destiny was to die in prison. That was something that right. I felt was destined for me. But at the same time, God had some other plans. So he for took you back to he something He took me traumatic. back to something traumatic when yeah, I saw that. That's messed up. Yeah. And then then I ended up watching Nat Turner, mm-hmm. The Birth of a Nation. CJ took me to go see it. I ain't never seen this before. Right. See, everything I've been through, CJ took me to go through this, you know. And I learned a lot from that. 
And it all ties in back to my prison store. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's in that room, guards and all that stuff that worked there, they all auntie, cousin, family, and blah, blah, blah. But they all from Boot Hill, Southern towns to where a slave tradition is steady going on. Right. So basically, they still had these guards that they had picked to work at these prisons. Still basically, had that slave mentality. they still had that slave mentality. Master, that's the only. Yeah, master, owner, there you slave go. mentality. There you go. There yeah. you go. And basically, the scenario of the story is this here. This podcast is dedicated to helping kids. Right. That's 14, 15, 12, 11. I didn't even go to 17 because they throwing you in prison younger than that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. this is for them, man. This, this is not to anger you. You know what I'm saying? This right. is to let right. you know that I was 16 when they convicted me, sent me to prison at 17, and I got out at 48. But the thing of it is, if you ever had a free will, or if you know what it means, the will you can just walk out your door, just make a choice and a decision. You don't have that in there. If you ain't reach your potentials going to prison, you'll never reach it. Right, right. If you don't reach your goal. If you didn't reach it before you got there, it's over with. There you go. And then it, it, it hurts mm-hmm. me, man, to where I know I did 31 years, man. But the thing of it is, I cry more now just looking at these brothers out here on the streets. It's pitiful. Because you see where they're headed. I see where they're headed, but I know what lies on the other side of that motherfucking right. gate, right. and it ain't nothing nice. Nothing pretty. Nothing. At all. Right. So you repping these hoods, doing what you do, I really can't stop you, but I hope somebody will listen to me. Right. Because those streets ain't yours. Those streets were slave on the streets. Still, to this day. To this day. Yeah. We just don't talk about it. I was part of it, brother. But one thing about it, I woke up and I stopped it. Right. I'm not a part of it no more. Don't even speak on it. But I hope these brothers here have a chance to listen, man. Because you know what, David? The worst thing that can ever happen? I wake up tomorrow and they convict another 13 to 14 year old and send them to die. And that's a long road, brother. That's a long road. I'm going to tell you this, Dave. You got guys that gets out of prison, man. They actually gets out and don't even try to look at them little brothers and say, hey, man, listen, this was just happened to me, man. Can you just hear me out? Right. right. You can change a person's thoughts, man. You can. But they got to change their heart. Mm-hmm. You know, my thing is, as long as I'm able to talk to them or even their parents for those who went to prison. Right. I can still help them understand their child when they get home and tell them what they could have happened to them, what they could have went through. Mm-hmm. Getting locked in one of those cells for two or three years or probably getting shot up with some damn wobblehead drugs. Basically, it's some shit that puts you to sleep they do to you when you get too hyper and shoot in the ass with it. Right. And, you know, some people triggers, they mental trigger, man, to just throw them all the way off balance right. to where they, they like the spaceship. Back. Yeah. Never bounce never, back. Never bounce back mentally. Right, and that's just my whole goal, man. I just want to reach somebody. It ain't got to be everybody. The thing is, life is precious, man. Once you lose your life and you get it back, you cherish it every moment of it. Right. I'm talking right. about every moment of it, David. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I ain't got to worry about knocking and wait for a little young punk guard to come by there. Can I use the bathroom? You right. know, I be going to slap shit out of them. Them motherfuckers <laughs> be 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, and I got to ask them, can I go outside? Can, can you I do just this? have some fresh air? Can you just have some fresh air? Yeah, and they can tell you no at any time. There's nothing you can Ain't do. Ain't nothing about you can it. do about it. There's nothing you can do. You know, and that's the hurtful part of it is. That I feel as though 
You know, my life, I lived it, lived the way I lived it, and I'm straightening my life out. But at the same time, if I can catch them youngsters right. before they go do these type of shit, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You basically can reach your potential, man. Hey, you notice most dudes that go to prison came from gangs, but they was expert in playing basketball, baseball. These guys have scholarships that's right. in prison right they now. They had talent. They had talent. Right. But they, they followed their they followed their neighborhood. That's right. But what they didn't know is they hood took them under. But when you get to that prison, if you don't keep your head on, that'll take you under too. That's gonna take you further. And there you and go. Deeper, I guess, in a deeper place. Oh yes, sir. But don't no mother, don't no mother want that for their kid. No, no. Not so not nobody wants that for their kids, man. But I got an episode I want y'all to be on the lookout for. And uh I'm not gonna spill the beans on it, but y'all gonna love it. It'll be my next episode. Y'all gonna love it, you know. And uh, the thing of it is, being Mr. Johnson, man, me and Dave, we try to do this here in communities, man, to where people can actually listen and we can grab hold to them. Because if don't nobody else do it, they can't say growing up on death row they do it. Exactly. And if there are any counselors out there, parole officers, or anyone uh, who get in front of you, if you want to reach out to us, you have our website. Uh, you can message us, text us, whatever you want to do it. But uh, I know on the horizon, uh, we'll be going around, we'll be doing speeches. We want to catch these young people, as you said, at a very young age mm-hmm. and deter them. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there's scared straight programs out there, but mm-hmm. that seem like it's scaring them straight anymore. Well, they stopped it now. Right. They don't have it in prison no more. They I didn't know they stopped they it. Took stopped. it. They took it out, man, because... They saying it was too physical. They saying we was getting too physical with the, with the, uh, with the kids. Oh, with the kids coming but, in. Yeah, but we had an eighty-five. But you mean it we had an eighty-five and ninety-five percent turnaround rate when we was getting. We didn't hurt them. Right. We just scared them. Right. And you know, but that was the whole purpose. The whole purpose and the thing of it is, they actually took it out of prison because they said inmates was too aggressive. And some of the kids was going using the bathroom on they said I know I made a couple of them use the bathroom on they said, but, that's, but and the warden actually came to my cell. From Charleston Correction Center, mm-hmm. he said, "Man, I don't know what you did because I made his son shit on himself." He said, "Man, I don't know what you did to my son." Blah blah blah. He said, "Man, he just joined the army." He said, "I want to thank you, man. You know, if anybody lock you up in town, I'm letting you up out of that." I heard that because his son actually turned his life around. Exactly. It wasn't about how I was doing it or how I was saying. It. His son asked me a question: "How long you been in here?" So I've been here since I was sixteen. He slammed his hat on. He slammed his hat on the ground. He said, 16, man, I ain't number 17 myself. You been in her house? I said, yeah, all that time. And you know how they got him, Dave? They passed a picture of me around. and said, man, who was this guy in this room? Don't nobody know who it was. Right, because you didn't even look the same. At the end of the at the end of the uh, the, at the end of the uh, Scare State program, mm-hmm. I revealed it was me. They didn't have a heart attack. <laughs> they were like, man, you would look at you, tall, skinny, lanky. You don't. Yeah, it took it turned me into this. And this can be you. And this can be you. If you if that's the route you want to go. That's right. Great segment, my brother. Thank that's you. Fine. Ain't no doubt. You All know right. how we do it, man. <laughs> you know how we do it.